on this episode of AV Week. Mark Zuckerberg wants to create a new AI for the new year, making AV exciting again, and a special report from CES 2016. All this and more on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. Ready. AV. AV Week. Performing. Scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. This is AV Week, episode 228, Zucky's Got a New Baby, recorded January 8th, 2016. And welcome to another edition of AV Week. Hello, everybody. I'm your host, George Tucker, this week, and thanks for joining us for this episode. It's been a uh, new year. Lots going on. CES 2016 is active. We'll have some more of that at the end of the show. Uh, but to talk about some of the new stuff happening this week, I am joined by two very cool guests. Uh, first off is the one, Adrian Boyd. He is from AVI Systems. Sir, good to see you again. Good to see you too, George. I'm cool now. Oh, cool. Yeah, you are very cool. I, I guess turning 40 has its, has its uh, privileges. Oh, wait till you get 50. It's all so much cooler. <laughs> yeah, well. I wouldn't know from experience, mind you, that I wouldn't at all. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, moving on to a little bit of a younger set, uh, although I think I'm far handsomer, is one Nicholas Pearsons. He is from Prime AV Services, is also a former co-worker of mine. How are you, sir? I'm great, George. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Look forward to uh, chatting about all the technology that's out there. Yeah, no, and it's been a while since you and I have talked. Uh, I'm liking yes. the beard, and uh, in person, congratulations on uh, becoming a father uh, not so you. long ago. Thank uh, you very much. I appreciate yeah. it. It's a whole different world, huh? Well, we'll see if we can turn him into an AV geek, and uh, if he'll, you know, take the reins when I want to retire. <laughs> yeah, but he'll never like your your choice in music. Trust me on this; he'll never like your choice in music. That's all right. Yeah, yeah, it's just a sad fact of life. All right. Well, let's first talk talk about um, Mark Zuckerberg. Now, CES 2016 is happening, and this week, Mark Zuckerberg uh, let out a little message that his New Year's resolution is to create his own AI. Uh, he says that he wants to use existing technologies, not create something new. And I guess just like hunting his own meat for a year and, and presenting it, that's what he wants to do. Here's my question, and Nick, I'm going to start with you on this. Um, he seems to be ignoring that there already is a solution for doing what he wants. Is he right in this or what? Um. You know, I think anybody who's got the kind of resources um, and, you know, minds behind him that Mark Zuckerberg does, taking maybe a fresh look at it uh, could be a good thing for all of us. At the same time, he could be spinning his wheels. Um, you know, this industry has been trying to uh, do an AI-type thing for, what, two decades now? Where, you know, uh, I think it was Bill Gates, you used to, you could wear a pin walking into his house and the rooms would change music and temperatures and lighting based on your personal preferences. I mean, that is a sort of AI. Um, 
So, you know, it, there's two sides to it. You know, it, he could find something new or a better way to do it for all of us, or he could just be spinning his wheels and make people think that AI is uh, never going to happen for the home. Yeah, I mean, B uh, Bill Gates did this. You know, everybody's had their home of the future kind of stuff. But, right. uh, you know, Zuckerberg, to me, feels like he's someone who should know that there's other stuff out there. Uh, Adrian, is this part of our problem that someone like him doesn't even know, or do you think he's deliberately ignoring it? That's a good question. Uh, I think it's probably a little bit of both. I mean, we ha we have a lot of these tech, dis you know, different disparate technologies. You can you could cite Nest or or Philips Hue, which have an uh, um, an AI element to them. You know, they're supposed Echo. to learn. Yeah, yeah, they're supposed to learn how you are and and adapt to your to whatever you're doing in your home. Um, some of them are hit or miss. I mean, we, we, we've certainly read uh, recently just, you know, how a lot of these systems kind of fail, and a lot of it comes down to just the programming. I mean, uh, software is written by people, and, you know, people are in, are fallible um, at times. So I, I don't know exactly what he wants. What's, what's his real goal at the end? Because he, he kind of put this out. He wants to use... Um, you know, essentially existing over-the-counter types of technology and make them all fit. And we've all done this before, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And usually when it doesn't, it's because we're hitting the limitations of what the technology can do or just us as programmers. Well, Nick, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to harken back to our days at uh, the behemoth that is Crestron. Uh, <laughs> and we were seeing some of this kind of stuff working way back 10 years ago, maybe even 8 years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, voice recognition is tough. Uh, you know, you have to take in all kinds of factors, right, of, uh, of accent and dialect and dic uh, how you enunciate. Uh, and then many times it's sort of like the old palm graffiti. You have to sort of teach it how you speak in order to gain, it, gain knowledge of it. But we've right. been seeing this already. Is this because the big boys in our industry are not promoting what they can do or not confident in it? Or do we just think there's not really a demand besides the futuristic wants of a billionaire? Personally, um, in the way I interact with my home, and I, my home is full of Crestron, like everything is connected. I don't think many people, um, after the cool factor wears off, they want to really want to talk to their home. Someone wants to come in, sit down, watch TV. You don't want to tell it what channel to go to. You want to pick up the remote and just do it because you're usually either not wanting to interact with anything else or you're half in the middle of something else and you don't want to interrupt your conversation, your thoughts to speak to your television. Um, I, you know, for the car, I think voice technology is great because it keeps you focused on what you should be doing, driving. In the home, I, you know, I've offered it to some customers. No one seems that incredibly interested in it. And, um, and I think that's also just one part of AI, uh, is the you know ability to talk to it? Can it understand what you're saying? Uh, can it differentiate uh, between someone with a uh, you know upstate New York a uh, bit of accent where they're very hard on their A's and someone um, in Boston who can't pronounce their you know doesn't really pronounce their R's much uh, in certain <laughs> words? You know you, you gotta you gotta figure that part out. Um, so, you know, we did see it at Crestron. We, Crestron has it built into their touch panels using Android. Um, uh, I believe it's Android's software in the background for the voice stuff, but I haven't had one single customer ask, you know, ask yeah. to use it. And I think a part of it is people 
I don't think people really want to talk to their systems uh, hmm. in the long run. It's a cool factor for sure, uh, but it's kind of like 3D. You know, 3D is cool uh, for the first 10 minutes, and then you get a headache, and you put the glasses aside and watch your regular TV program. <laughs> it might be even said for what's hot at CES now, the uh, the AR, as they're calling it these days. Um, you know, I wear those for a while, and you're kind of kind of dizzy. Uh, but Adrian. What this actually touches on and what Nick was talking about is, you know, people want to have, well, essentially what they're asking for is intuitive control. And I guess that's what Mr. Zuckerberg is looking for at times, is this idea to understand that when I'm in the house and I've set my tuchus on the couch, I want the TV to go on. Or for me, it's like I want the music to go on so I can just sit there and relax and, and let my mind sort of come at ease from the day. Uh, there's a story in the New York Times that's related to this called Looking Beyond the Internet. And it talks about, basically, big data. Uh, as a gentleman who worked for Google and has worked for uh, Microsoft and is now working with Salesforce and those guys, uh, if you don't know what Salesforce is, it's sort of an intuitive intranet and uh, um, business salesman uh, relationship, social media kind of thing. Think of Yammer, think of uh, Slack, but for business. Um, and he talks a lot about big data and centers everywhere. Uh, do you think that this is what we're really looking for in the client base, or is there really more problems here than we're willing to solve at the moment? Hmm. Uh, I mean, essentially, I mean, a lot of what he's talking about in this article is essentially data brokering. Hmm. Uh, when we look at Salesforce, Salesforce is a is a is a is a web-based CRM environment, and you put all your data in, and you pay a subscription fee, and you get all your data out, and it kind of guides you along with most CRM systems. Um, it, I, when we talk about the Internet of Things, it's, it's devices that are constantly talking between themselves all the time. And, and I, you know, I guess, you know, when we say intuitive environments, I mean, um, for instance, I, I've got a, a, a Hue um, system. Uh, I just got that. That was my, my little Christmas present. And, you know, it's got geofencing. It knows when I leave the house. It knows when I come back and it will turn on lights appropriately based on when my phone enters the network, uh, my home network. So in, ter in terms of intuition, I think a lot of people are looking at that kind of um, how that's going to work. You know, when I come home, certain things happen. But that has to be generated by some sort of device. And so when we look at the Internet of Things, it's all these other little devices that are talking to each other. So say, for instance, I walk into my home but um, I have a, a smart doorknob, you know, uh, or a smart garage door opener that when my car pulls in and the garage door pops, you know, opens up and the car goes in, automatically things in the home start triggering over, you know, uh, temperature, lighting, uh, you know, the TV can be turned on, the music can be turned on. All those things start happening. And that's what he's alluding to is, is all of these um, interconnected devices, you enter the data into the system, they go out to the cloud, they know these are the preferences for this person, they could follow you everywhere. Um, if you had environments that, and and uh, uh, hotels are, are looking at a lot of this, you know, especially like uh, the Marriott's and, and uh, the West and so on, is having these, especially for um, uh, guests who are, you know, there all the time that when I put my key card into the room, you know, either I have an app on my phone or I have something that's registered to my key card, that the room is automatically configured to the way I'd like it. And that's what I think a lot of what you know, Mark Zuckerberg and even this Beyond the Internet article is kind of getting at is, is when we start putting this data in the cloud, 
or we start carrying this information with me. And as long as all these devices are, are playing in the same sandbox, you know, when I go to a place, things happen. Now what happens is, is if I've got all this for myself, what happens when I go to an environment where everybody else is set up the same way? Do my settings override everybody else's? Well, isn't that sort of like the chairman's effect? Uh, you walk into a boardroom and the mic, basically when the chairman speaks, everybody else is muted. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> right? much, yes. Uh, and, and there's some logic to that. I mean, in a home, you're right. Who's, whose choice is it? Is it, is it your patriarchal, matriarchal, or is it uh, sort of a mixture based on different technologies? And it sort of brings me to that sensor data thing again. Um, one, do we want that much data? And two, Nick, and I'll throw this to you, we really had a struggle converting control system people over to Ethernet and sort of cloud services these days. Uh, it's a whole different sort of structure and understanding and maintaining all that data. Are we as an industry, or at least as installers and integrators, ready to be those people? Or are we going to be winding up subcontracting that, uh, that out to people who could possibly take, take it over again from us? I think, you know, um, we've gotten better at it because the internet has become, uh, and, and ethernet control and networking has become such a big part of what we do now. You know, 15 years ago, um, when Crestron was starting to push, you know, their e-control and stuff, it, it was a really new thing for a lot of, uh, a lot of AV guys who were used to IR bugs, RS-232, and contact workers. Um, now, you know, 15 years later, 2016, uh, every home, you know, just every home I do, and I'm sure every, um, every home a lot of other dealers do, and they're all connected. We have to set up the Wi-Fi because everybody's using at least an iPad or an iPhone or an Android device to control some part of their system. So I think the industry is starting, is closer to being able to handle that kind of stuff. And I also think that the uh, networking industry has made these things a little easier for us to, to integrate with. Um, but there's still a long way to go, and I don't think most AV integrators really want to be, um, want to be those IT managers managing cloud data, NASs, um, software, stuff like that. Just like you know, AV integrators don't want to be um, an electrician. You know, we we bring electricians in even though we're integrating uh, lighting systems and uh, HVAC systems we still want to have the experts for those systems to be on hand um, and not necessarily employ all of those people under one roof. So I think you know, the industry is helping us, uh, the IT industry is helping us making cloud uh, access to cloud um, and network infrastructure easier to configure for us. Um, but I think we're always going to need to have, just like they need us, we're going to need them. Because uh, your electrician is not going to be the expert at integrating all this stuff. Yeah, you know, Adrian, let me throw part of this question to you because you know Nick makes a good point that we have uh, a good base and that we will, as an industry, learn. Uh, but there is a threat here that we don't know. And there were some serious troubles for, well, what, eight, nine, almost ten years ago uh, in which many companies moved over to being fully uh, complementary to Ethernet and wireless systems, and it caused terrible problems, longer you know, installs and lots and lots of tech support calls. Let me ask you this question. It's sort of two-sided for you. Do you feel that you are ready to handle that kind of input data sensing management and client-facing information? Or if not, where would you like that help to come from? And how are we going to get there? 
Um, I mean, a lot of um, AV companies are starting to do this in, in terms of managed services where, you know, it's it's generally specific to the install. So it could be digital signage. It could be portions of the control system, uh, you know, IPTV-related environments. So it is happening now. I think the bigger question we have to ask ourselves is, is um, you, when you start looking at the security and you start looking at um, the legality of who has that data and how do you protect it, and you know, is it sensitive data? Um, you know, if you're a homeowner and you have, um, say, a connected home and you have all of these devices talking, well, now you have things like you know, uh, fire safety, you have health uh, information. Um, well, if you're putting that in the cloud, you know, who protects that? Who keeps that safe? And as integrators. Um, you know, I think a lot of this is, yes, we'll have managed services, but there will be some portions of it that's going to be offloaded to a third party because you really don't want to deal with, you know, some of those legal things, those headaches. Um, and, you know, you look at um, a lot of companies that, you know, they're now buying IT, you know, AV companies buying IT firms or buying managed, you know, um, firms, managed services firms because it's like, well, we know we don't know everything we need to bring somebody on board who knows a little bit more than we do. And uh, a lot of AV companies are, are looking at that, that ground because, hey, boxes don't make money anymore, but services do. So I, I think very seriously, uh, um, a lot of AV companies are going to start becoming involved in this, this managed service approach or partnering with other firms to bring that to their end users. Hmm. You know, it's, it's a very interesting question then because I'm not sure we're really ready yet, and it, it, it makes me wonder, based on the conversation we just had previously of, are my clients asking for something, and are they looking where they shouldn't be? And I don't mean that in you're wrong to go to the sort of mixed apps and, you know, decentralized configurations of controlling your home, um, but it does lead me to a question of an article of a gentleman named Fred Wilson. He uh, writes a blog called AVC. He is one of the primary people at Union Square, uh, what do they call them, venture capitalism. Right? These guys are behind Tumblr and, uh, uh, oh God, Twitter. They were early backers of many, many, many uh, uh, stuff, including... Um, uh, oh, God, a couple of streaming services. I'm losing myself here because there's so many that he, so much he's done. But he asked the question, is it content or the packaging? And this is a very serious sort of question, not just for the new media, new apps guys, but for our industry. Are we doing an effective enough job communicating to the CES participants and those who watch it of the world that we're not an exclusionary or exclusive industry? Yes, there's the luxury side of it, but... How do we do more to understand and get these people, uh, get our clients to understand what we are actually doing, and that it is actually beneficial and better? You know, Nick, I'll throw this to you. You're on the on the floor with doing this every day. What okay. are you doing to sort of have that interface? The client saying, "No, no, this is why you want to go centralized. This is why you want this." Um, you know, I a lot of what I bring it back to is. Um, ease of access to things like content. Uh, also, you know, saying you have a green home doesn't quite have the draw that it used to, but when you tell someone, uh, by automating a bunch of these things, we can save you money. Um, and in that sense, a green home, it, you know, becomes very, uh, very uh, appealing 
to people uh, because you know it doesn't matter how rich you are saving yourself money while still having convenience is always a you know a great opportunity and something you want um, so that's how you know when I approach my customers I kind of uh, put it out there there are certain things you know video switchers um, aren't as necessary anymore when you have the cloud-based services of Fios and, and Time Warner and DirecTV with their Genie services where it's one box recording everything and everybody has access to it. Um, but, you know, they still need a simple way to turn these systems on. Uh, no one wants to pick up two or three remotes to control their TV, their Apple TV, their receiver, should they have one. So it, it's still an integrated, you know, an integrating these things to have access to this content. Well, because, can I stop you there for one second? Because you raise a good question, and I just okay. want, to, I want to bring it up. We've long fought the idea that people don't want to use their phone or iPad because to get to control the TV, you have to open the app and then get to it and then go to that screen, and, but they're doing it. So are we sort of missing the packaging of, guys, 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 there's a seamlessness here that will make your life not just more efficient, but better? I, uh, see, now... My approach um, when I talk to customers and I design these systems is, is um, when it comes to interfaces, is two. To watch TV, I want my customers, unless they really want to use something like an iPad, I, I give my customers a handheld remote because channel surfing, you know, let's be honest, anybody who sits down on a couch does not want to pick up their iPad or iPhone and have to look for the channel button every time they press it. Um, even with haptic feedback, you still can't physically feel where that channel up down button is on your uh, on a uh, a flat interface like you know a tablet or a phone um, so in that regard a handheld remote is great when it comes to the bigger things like controlling music and uh, you know using integrated services like uh, Spotify sorry streaming services like Spotify Pandora um, controlling you know large lighting scenes stuff like that that's when the interface like an iPad or an iPhone becomes very very useful because um, a handheld remote with hard buttons which is awesome for channel surfing bringing up the guide um, is great because it's fairly mindless once you get used to it uh, something like trying to control music and set up playlists um, choosing streaming music stations uh, is not on those remotes you know it's not the days of I have six presets uh, FM presets six AM presets and I can very easily get to them you know, people don't use their music services that way anymore. You know, everybody's everybody's using Pandora, Spotify, SiriusXM, um, and those interfaces do not really have those hard one through six buttons that you always know what you're getting. And people don't want to interface with their music that way anymore. Hmm. Uh, Adrian, let me let me pose that back to you then. Um, I'm trying to find a way that, you know, Nick makes some good points is that it is about the design and about the feature set that you're providing them that can be fine-tuned to the client's needs and wants. Um, but are we missing, as an industry, a way of packaging, say, Infocom or even Cedia more like CES, or is that a mistake on my part to think that we should do that? Um, well, well, Infocom and, and Cedia have always kind of been, you know, um, industry trade shows where the end user does not come in, where CES generally has probably a lot more end users um, involved in that shape or form. Um, I'm not exactly sure how we, you know, if you'd want to have an, an end user showing up, you know, unless you invited them personally to, to those shows because I think looking at a lot of the, what we 
present at these shows would would be like a, you know, if you think CES is crazy, wait till you go to one of ours, you know. They, <laughs> Because CES is like is like the catch-all. It has everything. It has well, mobile devices. It, it has hoverboards. It just gets, yeah. you know, it, well, let it me has ask everything. Refrigerators to stoves. Yeah. Let me ask you this, though. And I, I don't mean to misdirect it, and, that I, and I didn't intend to say we would invite end users to it, although we know that CDS often has that sort of very high-end client come in with his dealer. Um, yeah. But I'm more about the excitement of how they present stuff. Um, we try our best. The trades try their best. Um, but... Is something missing from, say, Infocom or even ISE and CD to say, this is wow, this is pow, this is, you know, what technology is the cutting edge of? Or really, are you right? Does it have to still just be more private and insular? Um, I, okay, I mean, I, I mean, there's certainly, um, you know, CES in terms of media coverage, uh, in, in when we talk general media coverage, um, you know, goes crazy. You know, I don't think I've ever walked into a, a New York Times reporter at Infocom. I imagine they're there, but I don't. I don't really think they they really show up. Whereas CES has got everybody from Popular Mechanics, Popular Science, to every blog under the sun and every major newspaper, plus you know um, all the major uh, uh, television uh, uh, you know content providers. You know your ABCs, your NBCs, and so on. They generally show up to CES. Um, if we wanted to have that kind of excitement, we'd have to have a press. You know, complement similar to that. I, you know, I would imagine we we have certainly our trade um, association. We have AV Nation. You know, we do press coverage. But if you really wanted to have that wow factor and have everybody going, hey, check out this trade show and see all the crazy stuff at the video walls, and you'd have to you'd have to have that type of of um, of buy-in. You know, I guess from from your major media partners. Well, you know, it's interesting of, because well, we really do it. You know, Twit, right? Um, the yeah. Twit.tv. I know that the um, there's a guy that uh, does a, a home stereo show on there. He shows up to these shows. He does CD. He does Infocom because uh, he likes to cover some of the pro EV aspects of it. But uh, I suppose this actually brings me to the next story, uh, in which uh, from Sound and Vision magazine, uh, a lengthy article about let's be better AV enthusiasts this year. Now, the premise of this article is that. As you can see from the very first headline, being a snob doesn't make you superior. Uh, he goes off to talk about how uh, the old guys have to stop saying it was done better and, and faster in our days, and the young kids have to stop discrediting what happened before, and we need to regain our enthusiasm as a group for AV. We've lost it because the iPad, the MP3... Um, just offline, Nick and I were talking about some of his streaming services and uh, the bit rates that he was getting new stuff at and the fact that he got a new turntable and bought four new albums uh, to sort of test it out, some old, some new, uh, and he's really excited to do that. So, Nick, I'm going to start with you then since we had this conversation. Okay. Uh, is it as simple as buying the turntable and getting into the new grooves and being inspired or what? other factors missing, that tangible thing to say, man, I am excited about this, and even if it's more of the same, this is really cool. Um, you know, I think right now for our industry, uh, why people aren't as excited um, for the past couple of years is there isn't any wow technology right now. And, and to speak to you know what you said uh, previously, what Adrian was saying previously about the trade shows, you know, we rely on... Um, really for the cool wow factor to get people excited about, we rely on the manufacturers to do it. 
mean, let's be honest, you know, the new gaming system comes out, it's Microsoft and PlayStation 4 that are getting people excited about it through their, um, through commercials, you know, through the media outlets. Uh, things like Cedia and Infocom, those companies which are, you know, billion dollar companies, they don't have that outreach, they're not putting those commercials out there. Um, and I think part of it, you know, another, on the other side of it, being excited and being an enthusiast is, I feel like we're a little bit in um, a lull of the wow factor. You know, uh, the big wow factor before, uh, what, 10 years ago, 1080p, Blu-ray, uh, tablet device, you know, then it was tablet devices. So, you know, 4K isn't making as big of a splash um, as I'd hope. I think, you know, the resolution is exciting, but people aren't really pushing it yet. So, you know, I think part of it is every five to ten years we have a big new um, type of technology that comes out that will get people really excited about what we're doing and in the interim um, exposing people to the cool little things the cool behind-the-scenes stuff um, that still makes our industry exciting you know uh, the resurgence of vinyl I mean this is my first record player I ever owned I was a cassette kid really uh, growing up and I've gone through every single medium since then uh, buying and throwing away the old stuff um, it was my experience with listening to an album on a record player that was like, you know what, I want to buy a record player and listen, listen to some records and, and get that experience that people had, you know, in the 70s that was really popular. Um, I think if we expose other people, our clients, our kids, our friends, to some of those other things like high-definition music um, or, uh, you know, sitting down and listening to two-channel stereo, of the high, you know, high definition music and vinyl, that kind of has disappeared because it's all about surround sound and um, you know giant subwoofers. But there's still something to be said for an awesome pair of bookshelf or floor standing speakers and listening to your favorite album. I mean, albums are mixed now uh, by great artists better than ever before. But you know, everybody's bombarded by pop, you know, pop top forty of uh, you know auto tune and all that. So I think a big part of it is is those of us that are enthusiasts have to get others to experience it, to bring them in as enthusiasts and get them to see, you know, um, how things change and, and that it's okay to go back and take a look at the older stuff and enjoy it. Adrian, you know, Nick brings up some good points that uh, the experience itself helps bring it and uh, sometimes our business uh, doesn't always have the most exciting, at least viscerally, on the, on the very first touch of it. Uh, technology because we're not selling the newest iPad but we are selling 802.11ac which is actually very cool stuff uh, but Nick also brought up a point that you know we rely on the manufacturers for some of this and while these shows can be exciting is there something more the manufacturers can do to excite us the the, the user base the ones who install it and purchase it or am I pipe dreaming well I mean we're, we're, I don't think anytime soon we're gonna start seeing you know a, uh, Epson having a, um, commercials for their brand new projector, you know, splashed across uh, uh, television. Um, I, I think when we look at the products that get us excited, um, there are some. There's not a lot. I mean, a lot of what we do technology-wise, it's 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 you know, it's. I see a lot of manufacturers that somebody comes out with um, HD based. We all know what it is. We all know how it works. And, but pretty much every manufacturer has a yeah, me too product. You know, yes, we can do it over twisted pair. Okay, great. You know, why should I, you know, design my system with your box over someone else's? You know, what what are you bringing to the table that's new and different than just I can send a signal over twisted pair? Um, 
that's kind of you know when I read this article, I got a lot. Uh, how I looked at a lot of is, is and I was I've been um, talking with a couple other is that um, there seems to be a, a, a glut right now of of new blood in the AV industry in terms of, of kids coming out of high school, kids coming out of college, getting in and understanding that, hey, this is a, a viable career. And and right now, we, there's a lot of people my age and, and older and, and and you know, people in their mid-20s and, and, you know, 30s and so on. That's our industry. You know, we don't have these, you know, the, the fresh blood coming in and going, wow, this is cool, I really like this. And we're kind of like, oh, great, it's another projector. Oh gee, it's another flat panel. It's it's the same it's the same thing every year, in in terms of, of technology coming out. I mean, we all got excited when hey, cool, we can do you know um, you know AVB came out and everybody got really excited because oh wow, we can do audio over over the network. Well, it didn't really come out the way that we wanted to be, and it's kind of fizzled and and hopefully it'll regain. But that's kind of a lot of what we're seeing. At least it's been the last. You know, five six years. It's it's the same technology. It's just repackaged and regurgitated by another manufacturer. Going, ooh, look, new shiny box. And when you look and going, hey, it's just like the last shiny box. <laughs> well, I mean, there is a danger of it being box upon box. I get that, and uh, the fatigue, I guess, of it's the same thing. We don't have the shootouts anymore. We don't have uh, that stuff. Um, you know, it's interesting because Tom LeBlanc of Commercial Integrator wrote about uh, why we don't have as many young people in the industry. And that's a debate for another day on it entirely. But yeah. there seems to be an excitement level of, you know, what we do is actually, it is actually exciting because we're creating, especially when you talk about something that you do or that Nick puts in, these are really fabulous and fantastically engineered home theater or media, you know, media room systems that just blow you away. And oh, yeah, sure. When we, get that, when we get that opportunity to do those cool systems, you know, it's like, oh, wow. Like, you, you when you get the opportunity to do, to... Um, design an environment that's making you know different technologies talk and and to integrate different things you know either from a building standpoint or a home standpoint or even when a client comes to you with an off the wall idea and you have to think about it and go can is that really possible and you do the research and and you get the project to to that sell point that's exciting um, mm. but a lot of times that doesn't happen you know a lot of it is is the same kind of thing I want a TV hung on the wall or I want a I want a huddle room, or it's it's kind of I wouldn't I hate to say cookie cutter AV, but it does feel like that sometimes. You right. know that we there for for every crazy customer that has a crazy idea, there's probably a lot more mundane clients that go. We just want to hook our laptop up to this flat panel we bought at Costco. Yeah, it's well, it's the bread and butter. Nick, you were going to yeah. inject. Uh, no, I was just going to uh, agree with Adrian that, you know, the majority of the systems that, you know, I do, and I'm sure Adrian does, is, you know, TV on the wall, uh, HDMI connected, uh, ease of operation. You know, and it's it's the same thing over and over again. You know, the house is different, the conference room is different, but it's still almost all the same stuff. It, it is the, like he was saying, the cool factor of the customer comes to you with something a little off the wall. And, you know, to me, finishing a house and getting, you know, the customer to see how cool it is that they can do a couple button presses, you know, one button press does all of this, and one button press does all of that, um, you know, that's where some of the excitement for me still comes in is, you know, showing the customer, wow, they paid, you know, they, they invested a lot, but look at all these systems that are so simple to use now. Um, that I think kind of makes it worth it. But, you know, the day-to-day, -day, let's be honest, I think day-to-day -day in this industry, 
most of, of most of us integrators are banging our head against the wall at least once a day mm. trying to put the what are supposed to be simple systems together. Um, and it's you know it's the same thing over and over again. HD you know as as Adrian was saying HD based T you know everybody's got a box. One box works better than another, and you're banging your head against the wall as to why this one works better than the other. Um, and that's you know that's the day to day of things. Uh, you know IR driver doesn't work. The TV picture isn't as clear on this one, so on and so forth. But it's the cool projects that kind of bring I think us integrators back hmm. and saying let's keep going. Yeah, very interesting. Well, uh, we've almost run out of time for this episode of AV Week, but uh, speaking of enthusiasm uh, and stuff like that, we do have a segment live from CES. Dave Danto sat down with me a little earlier, and we discussed what he saw at CES and what he's teasing about his next Connected show, which will probably broadcast next week. Uh, so here, take a clip, uh, look at this uh, short clip and interview with... So we're lucky enough to have David Danto joining us live from CES 2016 out there in Las Vegas. He is reporting on this for us and some others. He is the host of the Connected Show on AV Nation. We're great to, uh, glad to have him with us. Dave, how are you? You're up pretty early. Yeah, well, whenever I travel on the West, I always stay on East Coast time so I can get the morning in for New York morning meetings and East Coast morning meetings and then the day over here. It's actually a lot of uh, a lot of fun, gets a lot of work done. It's really harder when you go into Asia when you have to stay up all night to do work and then go and leave and do work. So it's here, it's just an extra three hours. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So you have now in day three, I believe it is, of the exhibits being open, but day five, including the pre-press stuff, right? Exactly. Yeah, most of the action takes place before the show even opens, where we get the private preferences and you see what the manufacturers are doing. The, the days when the expo floor opens, you want to visit companies that you haven't heard and make finds. And believe me, there have been quite a few of them this year that I'll be sharing uh, on the Connected Show. We should have that edited and ready for you, but uh, certainly can talk to you about themes, what's going on on the show, and uh, give you a teaser, some cool products that I have here. Well, okay, so speaking of teasers, you've been putting out some videos during the week, which we've been putting onto social media. Um, but let's talk about some of the sort of more dramatic things you've seen while there. Uh, let's talk about, it's not just AV, what else have you seen? You know, it's interesting when you think about themes that come here out of CES, uh, one of the big ones a couple of years ago, and many years ago, we were talking about everything needed to be flat, wanted flat screens. Um, and then two years ago, it was curved. Curved is the new flat. Um, and we're about shapes and aesthetics and not necessarily quality. This year, it's cylinders, um, starting with the Amazon Echo, copying this round cylindrical thing that's going to be your home hub and your home central point and everything's starting to shape, which is really an interesting thing to look at, you know, as, as, as form factors are concerned, this trend is going to start following and I'll have examples of some of that. Um, the internet of things, you know, what I cover on connected is coding out here. You know, every other product has an IOT angle or talks about IOT, uh, means little things and big things. Um, I don't know if you guys remember the old Woody Allen routine where, you know, he, he talked to his, talked to his elevator and, you know, what you, that's real right now where, you know, your refrigerator is going to start telling your phone um, that it's out of milk um, or, by using cameras. You're going to be able to go to your smartphone and look at the camera in your refrigerator and see what you're missing so that you can go shopping and it'll create a shopping list for you. Um, or some mesh technology specifically around Bluetooth where if you're working in your kitchen, your kitchen light bulb tells your light bulb, he's in the kitchen now, you can shut off the light in the garage and all this happens without you having to interpret instructions. Um, and so you have those little things in the smart home all the way up to the big things. I saw a great demonstration in video that I'll be sharing from Panasonic um, that talks about um, you know, airplanes are now communicating 
each other in real time automatically. No more just voice control through satellites. So you know exactly a second what's going on with weather and with turbulence. Um, you can, you know, the Disney park doesn't need to close because there's a hurricane coming, or hurricane's a bad example, thunderstorm coming sometime this morning. You that that thunderstorm will be on you in four and a half minutes or in nine and a half minutes, and people can react with that data. I mean, this can, this also goes to smart cities where you know traffic lights will all be at about twenty. Um, city lights will all be at about a twenty percent brightness, um, and then as you walk under it, not only does it become eighty or ninety percent brightness, um, but it tells the next one in the direction you're walking, you guys lighter and you keep walking and then it dims as you pass. So all of the internet mesh, the internet of things are help both in smart cities and in your home. You know, it's what I've always wanted. I've talked several times about how um, I would love in a facility to have that, what I was calling RFID chips, but now the IoT gives you the opportunities that speed, direction, and knowledge of where you're going. I call it this sort of Heisenberg control. It knows all. Yep. <laughs> um, so exactly. how much, effect do you think has had with uh, Zuckerberg announcing he wants to develop his own AI? Is that a buzz at CES at all, or is it just noise? Well, you know, a lot of robots here, um, and, and robots were fancy two years ago. Now they're sort of just expected, not, you know, anthropomorphic robots. It's not humans. There are a few of those, but there are bartenders that'll get you drink based on what they're, they're pan tilt systems like the Kubi from Revolve Robotics. There, there are a number of things where you're starting to see the whole idea is the sensors mix with the technology, mix with intelligence, so it's no longer just the sensor reporting to you and letting you take action. It's the sensor figuring out what to do and actually doing it the way you would want it done. I mean, we're all now talking about the concept that vehicles or self-driving cars, we're not even talking about will they come. We're already past that. We're talking about how you're going to be able to sync your them. So, I mean, I think it's a little bit of fantasy speak, which happened since the big automakers come out here, but they're all talking about the autonomous vehicles as if they're ine inevitable. And that's another, that AI, where it's going to do everything for you. So is there anything that we haven't heard of yet that's a buzz, uh, something dramatic, or is it building upon the same stuff? Well, the, the, the stuff that you've heard about um, at, with Buzz at a high level, I think most has caught the themes. CES gets a great deal of coverage, 150,000 attendees <clears throat> looking at what's going on. What I like to do at the show is I like to catch the trends that are not necessarily being reported. One I can talk to, I can show you. Um, the, the, what's really interesting, and I was really taken aback and surprised, is the records are back. Um, apparently, there's this cult that's no longer a cult anymore. It's a huge group of people that audio is more pure when you're scratching you know, um, uh, needle grooves into a record. You have um, Sony, you had Audio Technica, and you had Panasonic release brand, and Panasonic re-released their technique this year um, with, with vinyl record turntables. Um, the Audio Technica one's really interesting because think about it, it's a serialist turntable in that you, you put your record on it, you put the, the needle on the record, and then it goes Bluetooth to speakers. You don't, you know, there are no more stereos, you don't need anything else like that. So I think that that's something that's interesting to see that manufacturing to. Another thing that we're seeing, and this is a great product that I, uh, I found at the show and spoke to its founders, um, Fox, and I'll take it out. This is called Chatlight, if you can see it. Definitely a product that, uh, that, that that's needed that nobody thought of, and it's a simple little um, uh, LED array of light colors to make it look good. It's got this great little actuating clamp, so it can clamp right onto your PC 
boilerplate or anything else like this. And this is going to, you know, my camera is going to auto adjust. This is going to be dramatic. But look at the difference in lighting. Add some lights in over there. That's the high brightness. I'll put it on low brightness. And all of a sudden, you know, once the camera adjusts, you, you, you start to get a natural color picture. I'm going to turn off the room light that had been on. Um, and, and you can start to see what you can do. Obviously, I should really have two of them here. This is a $30 product. Something that you can and make. Uh, um, put on your machines now all of a sudden everybody who's got Skype for Business or Link or, or, or Jabber or any one of the other desktop platforms, Google Hangouts, you put one or two of these on your machine to the USB port and whammo, all of a sudden you've got TV studio quality lighting um, and it works on a battery, power battery if you want to keep it plugged in. It's so the poor man's Cal light, huh? It's, it's an awesome product. There's no need for it. I've been using a task lamp behind my uh, my computer and, and, my, and my desktop video conferencing at home and lights that are actually made for it. Um, another change, which I, I, I you know, I, I don't want to trend, but it's an interesting way of looking. You know, I'm a big fan of battery cases. You know, I have them. Um, have one over here from one five, and I'm saying goodbye to my iPhone five uh, uh, this year. As soon as I get home, the six is waiting for me. Um, but you know, you snap on the case; it protects your phone, and it also gives you a charge. You're seeing less and less people in those because the batteries are getting better. But people still need to charge. People still need some extra stuff. So, which products like these? A lot of them from a lot of companies. This is from a company called Ventev. I don't know if you see. I'm holding it up. You can see the name of the company's logo. But this little device. Um, hugely powerful. It has these two little wires in it. You know, one's lightning, one's micro USB. Comes right out of it. Hangs in the wall. You don't need to bring a charger. Just you can use it to charge your phone. Um, it's a little battery meter. It'll show you how much is uh, is left in there. It's got a high power USB port output. All stick it in your travel bag, and instead of carrying one of those extra batteries, just when you put your phone down, you keep charge. I'm seeing a lot of smart and I don't mean smart like internet connected, but intelligent products like this little things that make your life easier, that kind of go in under the radar of all the big themes at the show. You know, a few years ago, the big theme was uh, headphones, headphones, headphones. Uh, you mentioned vinyl. That seems to be the big thing. Um, is there any little product that you've seen that seems to become ubiquitous, that sort of low-lying, low-priced item that everybody wants a part of, or is it now sort of flattened out? Last year, I was I was surprised. Last year, you know, this was the popularity of Beats and all the other ones. Everybody had these big phones that go over the head. Uh, some were excellent, you know, like uh, like like Plantronics Backbeat, you know, Backbeat Pro version out right now. So instead of using this for this call, I could put that on and it has a USB dongle. Really great dongle now has light up indicators and awesome stuff. But instead of seeing all those big headphones at the show this year, everybody's got earbuds. Everybody's got their version of the hanging in the ear. Um, uh, some are uh, canceling, some are passive, you know, just a uh, noise blocking. Um, I'll show some video from a company, um, Audio Science, I believe, and if I got that wrong, I apologize. They've created a system that creates a perfect laser image of the inside and the outside of your ear. Scan you with this. Um, and then you take that scan and image once cleaned up a little bit over to a 3D printer and 3D print custom earbuds that fit with inside your ear canal. I, I'm a broadcaster based on my history. What we used to have to do is get the anchor on the set and mix up this little wax, you know, shea type mold, pour it in his ear and make him sit there for 15 minutes while it forms and then ship that out to a big company in Wisconsin. 
that would then make their custom IFBs for the show. Instead of doing all that garbage now, you sensor that looks like you're taking somebody's ear temperature. Um, and Whammo 3D printer, you've got cut rid of that whole um, Artists are using this for uh, stage monitoring, for stage IFB, custom earpieces. You can get it in whatever you want, whatever finish you want. Um, I got my fitting uh, yesterday, and I'll, I'll show everybody how that process worked. And I'm hoping I'm going to get my, my custom high-tech earbuds in the mail. Hmm. Uh, very interesting. Yeah, I, I like that idea. And I know I had one made for me many, many years ago when I first started doing stage work because we needed to be quiet, quiet. But yeah, it was a tedious process. It sort of reminded yep. me of like five versus fiber when you had to do fiber in a long way. Now you don't. Um, cool. Well, you know what? I want to thank you very much for giving us some of your time. You've got a lot to write up and a lot to do. Uh, we look forward to seeing the Connected Show next week, which will cover this and much more in detail. My pleasure. Uh, greetings from Las Vegas. Hopefully right. I'll leave here with, uh, with my voice intact. There you go. Thank you very much, David. That is David Dento, host of Connected. We'll look for it next week. Uh, gentlemen, I want to thank you very much for being on this episode. Uh, Nick, your first time here. Tell us a little bit more about yourself uh, and and Prime. I've uh, been doing this is a company I started myself about six years ago. Been doing this 17 years. Started uh, in Boston, Massachusetts, for a company uh, that unfortunately is now defunct. I've worked for Crestron, which is where you and I uh, worked together for several years. Did a uh, ran a New York City company for about four years, and then. Did my uh, did Prime AV services, and we basically specialize in integrating uh, AV lighting, HVAC, uh, security cameras, you know, those kinds of systems, and high-end homes and some commercial spaces. Uh, where can they find more information about your company? Uh, easiest place to go is www.primeavservices.com. Uh, you can reach out to us through our webpage. All the numbers are there. You can see some of the uh, products we carry and, and what we specialize in. Cool. Thank you. And Adrian, we know you well, but uh, where can they reach you, hear more about you and the stuff you're doing? Um, well, um, you know, it, you want to see me, I'm on, I'm on Twitter. I mean, I'm the, uh, the underscore AV underscore CAD underscore guy on Twitter. Um, I'm also uh, the uh, head engineer in the St. Louis office for AVI Systems, and uh, AVI's got offices all over the country. And uh, I think now we're like the third largest integrator. Oh, wow. uh, uh, with some other people thrown in there uh, uh, that are number one and two, but... Um, but yeah, I'm on uh, LinkedIn and, and Twitter and, and uh, probably Google Plus somewhere. But uh, yeah, I'm, type in my name or you'll, you'll either find a football player or you'll find me. <laughs> there you go. All right, and especially I want to thank you, the viewers, and our underwriters for supporting us and, and watching the shows. Uh, if you're interested in those people who are helping us keep this mighty ship of AV Nation afloat, please go to our webpage, avnation.tv, and look at our underwriters page. They're a fine bunch of companies and a fine bunch of people. You should check them out and thank them for supporting AV Nation. Uh, you can find shows like this and many more in the AV integration industry at avnation.tv. Uh, you'll be seeing next week, of course, Connected, I said, with David Danto on the IoT influence in our industry. Lightcast is coming out with a new episode about um, architectural lighting and uh, more with a very interesting guest that does archaeological lighting research, which is very interesting stuff. Uh, there'll be new AV apps coming out and more. So again, avnation.tv. Thank you for joining us, and we all look forward to speaking with you again very soon. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation.